If you printed out your outline, go ahead and grab it. We've been in this fearless series now for several weeks. We've been looking at how to live fearlessly in the age of anxiety. Today we're talking about how to face your fears. What do we do when we find ourselves at a dead end with problems and obstacles and worries and maybe even some enemies surrounding us? What do we do when we face a fearful and hopeless situation? Can any of us relate? Yeah, a lot of people are feeling hopeless and fearful these days. Don't worry. God still rescues people from hopeless situations. So let's look at our lesson today. I want us to remember that five days earlier, Pharaoh had told Moses and the children of Israel that they could leave Egypt. So they took off on the exodus. Five days after that, they're camped in a cul-de-sac. There are mountains on both sides. There's the Red Sea in front of them. The only way they can leave that cul-de-sac is to go back the way they came. And just about that time, they see Pharaoh coming with his chariots because Pharaoh had changed his mind. Exodus 14.10 says, As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord. It's heart attack time. They're scared to death. They're, they're hemmed in, and the enemy is breathing down their necks. They are freaked out and afraid. You see, fear typically does four things to us. Number one, if you'll fill this in, fear tends to make us skeptical. Write that down. It causes us to doubt. It causes us to ask questions. It makes us skeptical. We're seeing this a lot in our situation. There are so many opinions and perspectives from so many self-appointed Facebook experts, it's nearly impossible to know who to believe or what to think. You can bet there are a lot of people doubting God and his plan right now. Exodus 14:11, part A says, And they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? You can hear the sarcasm in their voice. Moses, what are you doing? Did you bring us out here just to let us die? They're skeptical because they're afraid. We usually ridicule the things we're afraid of. If you have a tendency to doubt things, to be cynical or skeptical or sarcastic, the root of that is fear. They were terrified, so they were skeptical. They had the general attitude towards life of, I doubt it. The second thing fear causes is fear causes us to be selfish. Will you fill that in? We are only focusing on ourselves and on our own needs. Have you been to the toilet paper aisle lately? Nothing says selfish like hoarding a year's worth of Germex and leaving none for anyone else. Lots of scared, selfish people, huh? Exodus 14.11 says, Part B says, What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? They're blaming Moses. What did you do to us? When we're afraid, we tend to blame other people. What have you done to us? Passing the buck is an expression of fear. We accuse others and we excuse ourselves. Fear causes us to be skeptical and fear causes us to be selfish. We only look at our own needs. All we can see is ourselves. We're afraid of responsibility. We pass the buck and we blame others. 
The third thing fear does, number three, fear causes us to be stubborn. When we're afraid, we tend to be stubborn. Exodus 14.12 says, Didn't we tell you that this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, Leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. Fear causes us to resist change. It causes us to resist anything new. Leave us alone. That's a basic attitude towards life of a lot of people. Don't get too close to me. We're all saying that now. Don't get too close to me. I might feel uncomfortable about that. Don't, don't try anything new. That might threaten me. Don't upset the status quo. Don't rock the boat. The favorite phrase of people when they're afraid, afraid is, we've never done it that way before. And it's tempting to not want to try new things, new technologies when we're afraid. Look, Facebook and Zoom and even Sermon.net may seem very intimidating when you first start using them. The fourth thing fear does is, number four, fear causes us to be short-sighted. The last part of Exodus 14.12 says, it is better, It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. You see, we lose perspective. Fear causes us to want to live in the past. We try to live over our past situations. We go backwards. Let's retreat. Let's turn around. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's just forget this whole idea. Little did they know what lied ahead. The promised land. Everything they wanted out of life was ahead of them, but they were too short-sighted because of fear. Let's go back. I can just hear the Israelites saying, Remember the good old days in Egypt? What good old days? There were no good old days in Egypt. They were beaten and mistreated and maligned and forced into servitude and, and whipped and abused and oppressed under constant pain and abuse. But the fact is, they preferred slavery to uncertainty and the unknown. They said, we don't like what it was. It was painful, but at least we knew what it was. There's a lot of people today who are afraid, afraid of freedom. You see, when you're a slave, all the decisions are made for you. You have no responsibility. Everything, every decision is made for you. Everybody wants to say, well, I don't want to make that decision. You make it for me. That's too scary. I'm afraid I'll make the wrong one. They preferred slavery to uncertainty. There's a fact of human behavior that I've learned. We like to hang on to our hang-ups. Even though they're painful. Even though they hurt us. Even though we don't like them. Even though they're self-defeating, there is a payoff. And the payoff is we know what they're like. It's the devil we know. I've had people say to me in so many words, I'd rather keep this self-defeating behavior than risk the fear of change. Why? Because it's unknown. They said, let's go back to Egypt. I know it was painful. I know we didn't like it, but let's go back there because at least we knew what it was like and it was a sure thing. My question to us is, what are we being short-sighted about because of fear? What are we saying, I'd like to go back to, or I don't want to change, or I don't want to move forward, because at least I know what it's like. I know I need to change. I know I need to let go of that habit. I know I need to get out of that bad relationship. I know I need to change the way that I think or the way that I act. But change is scary. And I've just always been this way, Pastor. Fear makes us skeptical and selfish and short-sighted and stubborn. 
Now, Moses's reaction to all of this, they came to him and they said, we're afraid. And they said these four things, which indicates those characteristics. Moses's faith is revealed here. He's calm. He's not defensive. He's not uptight about it. He recognized the root behind those complaints were simply statements of fear. He wasn't taking it personally. They weren't really complaining against him. They were simply saying, we're terrified. And the fact is, every time you step out in faith in your job or in your home or your relationship, every area of life you step out in faith, you can expect some people will have that kind of fearful response to you stepping out and taking a risk. Some people will doubt it. Some people will be stubborn and fight it. Some people will be stubborn and selfish. And they'll say, well, what is this going to do to me? How is this going to affect us or, or my situation? Instead of what is it going to be, what's the good going to be for everybody? Some people will be short-sighted and say, let's just stay where we are. Let's not rock the boat. You see, living by faith is not always popular. But the greater our faith, the less time we spend defending ourselves against skeptics and critics and dream busters. So how do we face our fears with faith? How do we do it? The Israelites did three things to face their fears with faith. And these are the three things that we need to do if we're going to move forward in faith following our Savior. Here's how we face our fears in faith. Number one, I've got to let go of my fear. That's the first thing. I've got to let go of my fear. Look what Moses said in Exodus 14, 13. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. He said, let go of your fear. It says 365 times in the Bible, fear not. It's like one for every day of the year. He's saying, let go, cast all your cares on God. Lord, this is too heavy of a burden. I can't handle it. I'm too afraid. Let go of your fear. How do you do that? How do you let go of your fear? There's only one way. You have to recognize and remind yourself that God is in control and we're not. That's the only way you're going to be able to let go of your fear is recognize and remind yourself that God is the one who is in control. He's the one. Then you can relax a little bit. Exodus 14, 1 and 2 says, Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back to camp and camp by the sea. Camp there along the shore. Who told the children of Israel to camp in the cul-de-sac? God told them, not Moses. God led them there. God put them in an impossible situation with mountains on two sides, a sea in front of them, and the Egyptians coming from behind, heading towards them. God did it. You see, sometimes God sets you up for a miracle. He sets you up by pushing you. I don't know how we're ever going to get out of this debt. This is a total mess. There's no way it'll work out. You've got yourself at a Red Sea situation. Remind yourself that God has led you there, and the safest place to be is in the center of God's will, even if you feel hemmed in, even if you feel you're at a dead end. So what's the lesson? Here's the lesson. When God guides, God provides. And where God guides, God provides. If God leads you into an absolute dead end in life, you are set up for a miracle. If God has 
allowed and brought in all kinds of problems in your life and allowed all these things to happen, you're ready for something exciting to happen to you. Think about Seminole Church. God has led us step by step, and over the years, we've been in situation after situation. And some of them have seemed hopeless. And God has brought us through each and every time. He's in control. Here we are in the situation with all kinds of different problems. But we're ultimately safe because of who has led us here. God did. He hasn't brought us this far as a church or as his children to leave us now. The question is, why does God lead us into impossible situations? He does it for two reasons. God leads us into impossible situations, number one, for his glory. Will you, will you fill that in? For his glory. Exodus 14, verse 3 and 4, says, Then Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, God says, and he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. God even told them in advance what he was going to do. He said, you guys are going to have all kinds of problems, and here's what Pharaoh's going to do, da, 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 and he lays it out. And he says, and then I'm going to do it for my glory. If we have no problems in life, we have no miracles. If we have no problems, there's no need for faith in our life. God said, I allowed this situation so I can prove my power and my strength and so I can get glory. God allows us in these situations for his glory. The second reason God allows impossible situations is, number two, for my own growth. Fill that in. It was a test of faith on behalf of the Israelites. They needed to grow in their faith in God. Question. Do you think you might be facing a personal Red Sea today? My word for you then is congratulations. God can do something significant in your life. Let go of your fear. Because you know, if you're really trying to live for the Lord, then God has allowed these things. Nothing can happen in my life without the Heavenly Father's permission. I'm a child of God. He's watching out for me. He's in control. Even these problems are only allowed because of God's permission. Therefore, I don't need to be afraid because where God guides, God provides. Look, we're in an impossible situation. We're probably right in the middle of the will of God. He's setting us up for a miracle. So let go. Let go of your fear. The second thing we do to face our fears, number two, I've got to look up to God. Look up to God. Fill that in. Exodus 14, verse 13 and 14 says, But Moses told the people, Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Over and over again in the Bible, 
God says, stand still. Watch me do it. Be still. Be quiet. Watch me. Keep your eyes on me. Look up. Over and over again it says this. Why does God say, stand still? Because fear always causes us to run. And when we're afraid, the natural reaction is, i got to get out of here. I'm, I'm, I'm zooming. I'm out. I'm, I'm leaving. I can't handle the pressure. It's too much. I'm going to leave my wife, leave my job, leave my family. I'm going to leave this town. I'm going I'm to go somewhere. I'm going to quit. I'm going to leave the situation. And then we run. God says, no, no, no. Stay still. Stand still. We can't see God act unless we're standing still. We can't see him when we're running away. He says, look up, relax, calm down. What's ironic is at this point, there was nowhere to run anyway for the Israelites. There was no alternative but to stand still. The ocean's in front of them. There's mountains on each side. Pharaoh and his army are coming from behind. It's a hopeless situation. All they could do was stand still. If they had been like you or me, they would have probably started running around in circles. We have this innate desire to run. The interesting thing about the Israelites is they looked every direction. To the east, they saw mountains. To the west, they saw mountains. To the north, they saw the ocean. When they looked to the south, they saw the Egyptians. The only place they didn't look is they never looked up. Where are you looking right now? Are we looking to the government to save us? Are we looking to the doctors to save us? Where does our help come from? The Bible says our help comes from the Lord. Instead of looking out, look up. Instead of looking out at our problems, look up at the source. When we begin to look up, we start to loosen up. We start relaxing. We start becoming more calm. I consider all the multitude of all the problems in front of us as a country, and if I start to get all uptight, I, it is a tremendous problem. I, I just, whoa, stop. I just need to look up. I look to God's resources. He hasn't been surprised by this epidemic, this pandemic. He's got plenty of resources, even if we run out. And then once I get a view of his resources, I forget what the problem is. It's minor by comparison. You can imagine the situation. Moses and the children of Israel are camped by this cul-de-sac of impossibility. And one of them says, Moses, they're coming, they're coming. You can hear the, the, they're freaked out. And a few minutes later, someone else, Moses, Moses, they're getting closer, they're getting closer. And then finally comes and says, Moses, do something. Don't just stand there, do something. And God says, no, 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 don't just do something. Stand there and stand still. What's happening? What's the lesson? The lesson is that God waits until the last second to answer. Just like in Sudir's story, God is never late, but seldom Seldom is he early. Why? Why does he do that? <laughs> That's so frustrating sometimes. Why didn't he, he give them the chance a week ago? Why, why did he wait until the last while? It's a test of faith. God wants to know how long can we wait. It's a test of our faith. He'll wait right until the last possible second. And then the waters will part. 
we can let go of our fear and we can know because we know where God guides, God provides. And we can look up to the Father because we know that it may be in the last second that he bails us out. So we let go and we look up. And the third thing we do to face our fears with faith is number three, I launch out in faith. I launch out. Write that down. Launch out in faith. Get it in gear. Get the move on. You've got to be ready. It's the moment of truth when God says to go for it. Exodus 14, verse 15 and 16 says, When the Lord says to Moses, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. This is the moment of truth. I launch out in faith. This is where we lay it on the line. We forge ahead. God says, take the plunge. Literally, in their instance, in their case, the fact is, there is a time to pray, and there's also a time to act. There's a time to fast and believe and expect, and there's a time to move. There's a time to sit and wait and stand firm in expectation, and then there's a time to go for it, to move ahead, to follow, to make the investment. Faith, you see, is a verb. It's not passive. It's active. It's an action. It's moving. It's stepping out. It's launching out. It's forging ahead. If you want to walk on water like Peter did, you have to get out of the boat. That's the moment of decision. Everybody here in this situation has a fear. Many people have dozens of fears. We all do. But according to biology, did you know that we as human beings only have two fears that we're born with? There's only two fears that babies are born with, they tell us. The fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. Those are the only two legitimate fears that we have. Every other fear we learn from our environment, from our parents, from the world we live in. The good news is that since fears are learned, they can be unlearned. We can choose to pick up on our fears because we were only born with two. We can choose to to add to that or we can choose to deal with our fears, face our fears. Every other fear we've had, we've learned so we can unlearn it. How do we get rid of the fear in our life? The secret of eliminating fear in our life, we've got to move against the fear. You can ask any psychologist. Your baseball coach told you to get back in the batter's box. If you rode a horse, it's called getting back up on the horse. The Bible teaches it. You've got to move against the very thing that you're afraid of. Do the very thing we fear. God says to Moses, move on. Go for it. Take the risk. Step out and watch your fear vanish before your eyes. Watch the water part as you walk through on dry ground. Face your fears. We need to become more like the turtle. You know how the turtle makes progress? The turtle only makes progress when he sticks his neck out. Faith is an action. It's more than just believing. You know, we can say we believe in a chair that it'll hold us up, but nothing really happens until we sit in the chair. That's the act of faith. 
just this week or maybe last month, uh, certainly in the last year, you've all stepped out on faith. I'm sure within the last year, at one point or another, you went to the doctor and you said, this is what's wrong. And he said, here's what you need. And he took a little piece of paper and he scribbled out a, you could barely read it, right? I think they do that on purpose. He scribbled out a prescription and you took it, his scratchings, you couldn't figure out what it says. Then by faith, you walked into a pharmacist, you gave him the piece of paper, and by faith, you let them put a lot of little white powder in these little capsules and hand you a bottle of them, and they told you, they wrote out another little thing, and they said, take this three times a day. And you go home, and you took it, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you took it in faith. Everybody has faith. We all exercise faith. It's just, what do you put your faith in? I encourage you to put your faith in God. The key to overcoming problems is to move against the fear that you're facing. Move against it in faith. Exodus 14:16 says, God says to Moses, Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so that the Israelites can walk, not over, not around, but through the middle of the sea on dry ground. The lesson is this. God usually takes us through our problems, not around them. God usually takes us through a problem, through a crisis, through a situation, through an impossibility, not around it. If he took us around it, it wouldn't require as much faith. But he'll take us right through the middle of it. Verse 21, 22 says, Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. How would you have liked to have been one of these people? What would it feel like to walk through the Red Sea on dry ground with walls of water on either side. And you get about halfway through and you realize it's just as far to the other side as it is back. And you're thinking, at any moment, this can all come falling down on me. Every step was a step of faith. Every step was a risk. That's the way God works in our lives. And there's no way we can get around it. We can't live and follow Jesus without taking risks. We can exist, but we can't live. God wants us to live by faith. We are constantly taking risks. As a society, we're constantly taking risks out of our society. We're trying to make it bubble Proof, You know, we're all in bubble wrap. So nothing bad can ever happen. God says, no, no, no. This is all part of living. Everything you're going through, church, this is all part of living on this broken planet. So you'll learn to trust me. What we want God to do for us, he waits to do through us. That is so significant. What we want God to do for us, he waits to do through us so we can be part of the miracle. What is the Red Sea in your life this morning? 
What is it you're afraid of? What is it that scares you to death? What is that fear in your life? This virus? Unemployment? Homeschooling? Isolation? Loneliness? There is plenty for people to be afraid of. What daring decision do you need to make? What step of faith do you need to take next? How does fear show up in your life? Does it show up in your life through skepticism? Do you have a tendency to be a doubter? Do you doubt everything? you tend to be a little cynical maybe or sarcastic? Maybe you doubt other people or maybe you doubt yourself. Oh, I could never do that. Or maybe you even doubt God. You doubt His love. You doubt His power. Can God even do that? Maybe fear shows up in your life through selfishness. You have a tendency to blame other people. Moses, why did you bring us out here? It's all your fault. That's the favorite phrase when we're afraid. It's all your fault. It's somebody's fault. Pass the buck. It's your responsibility. You accuse them and you excuse yourself. Maybe fear shows up in your life in a little bit of stubbornness. You have a tendency to be a afraid of change you don't like to rock the boat you like everything to be settled everything to be ordered you're control freak you're a little ocd everything has to be in its place and this is driving you a little crazy you don't want to make these changes maybe you have a hard time admitting when you're wrong really you're you're just stubborn you're afraid if you admit that you're wrong somebody might not like you Maybe the way fear shows up for you is through short-sightedness. You never really set any goals. You never have any dreams. You never have have any steps that you're taking. You have a tendency to just kind of live in the past. Let's just go back to Egypt. I I know my life right now isn't so so hot, but I, I just want to go back to what it was. Because you're afraid if I really commit my life to Christ, He might make me become something I'd be afraid of. The question I want us all to consider, that's a penetrating question, is what's the painful hang-up in your life that you're willfully holding on to? Maybe it's a habit. I know it's wrong, but if I give it up, what might happen? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a way of responding or reacting or relating to life. Maybe it's a regret you don't want to let go of, and you just keep piling guilt on yourself. Maybe it's resentment, and you don't want to forgive that other person. I dare you to take these three steps this morning. Let go, and let go of this fear that you've been dealing with. Remember that God is in control, and say to God, Lord, I don't understand it all, but I know that you're in control. I'm going to let go of me trying to control all of these things. So let go. And then look up. Look up to him and say, God, I'm going to stop looking at this situation and this problem, and I'm going to start getting my eyes on you. I'm going to turn off. CNN and Fox and ABC, and I'm going to get my eyes on you like Jerry's been saying every week. 
and you look up to Him. And then finally, launch out. Go for it. Make the move. Whatever God's calling you to do, at some point, you've got to step forward and watch the waters part. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for all of us. Lord, I want to thank you for your word, even as it relates to our church family and to each one of us. Thank you for the impossible situations that we all face right now. It'll be for your glory and for our growth. Help us each to let go of our fears related to this virus, related to the economic shutdown. There's a lot to be afraid of, Lord, and we want to let go of those. Help us to look up to you like we've never looked before. Help us to make time for praying every day for us and those around us. Help us to make time for reading your word every day. Help us to have a quiet time. And finally, Lord, help us to launch out in faith and follow you wherever you lead us, wherever you lead us as a church, wherever you lead us as individual families and individuals. And we're going to thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to know how much I love you, how much our staff and our elders, and I'm praying for you every single day through this. God has not brought us this far to leave us. I want you to just take a deep breath and relax. God is going to get us all through this, and He's going to get us through together. Now, I'm looking forward to this week. I want to thank you for joining us. Maybe we'll get a chance to see each other if you stop by for Four Rivers on Thursday, or if you come to the Easter Extravaganza Parade on Saturday. I hope that you'll join us online for Easter, or possibly you'll be one of the ones that signs up for the drive, the drive-in church. One last thing I forgot to tell you. The phone number for the Germex. All right, the keyword. Text me the word germ X, germ X, and my cell phone number is 407-923-4634. That's germ X, and my cell phone number for Jerry is 407-923-46. There it goes. My, my phone's already buzzing. I hope you have a great day and a great week. I love you. Bye-bye.